0: Hello, I'm Gail Barry and this is Teaching with Learning in Mind, the podcast for anyone in the business of higher education. This podcast consists of seven episodes, which will be hosted by myself and a few guests from time to time. The framework of the podcast is borrowed from a wonderful book called How Learning Works by Susan Ambrose, Michael Bridges, Michelle DiPetro, Marsha Lovett and Mari Norman. I will put the link to the book in the episode description. Today, we're going to talk about how the way students organize knowledge and how that affects their learning. But first, we'll talk about the principles, and then we can climb into the strategies which can help you in your classroom. I will purposely use teacher terminology because I suspect that as higher education lecturers, we hide behind the lecturer label and free ourselves from the responsibilities of teaching and student learning. Let's take a minute to remember how to be teachers and not just subject matter experts. Let's jump into today's episode and talk about knowledge organisation systems, do you remember the pegboard analogy that I used in the last podcast to illustrate prior knowledge? Let's build on that analogy by giving students a handful of pegs and a shelf board. They build a bookshelf and we give them a few books to put on the bookshelf. In real life, that analogy means that the student has learned enough and made enough connections to their prior knowledge to internalize new knowledge, concepts, and facts. These are the books. Now back to the analogy. How does the student organize the books? Are they shortest to tallest? By color, alphabetically. On trend, horizontally with the spines to the wall. Naturally, you and I would organize the books by subject matter, right? I would. In fact, I do. My bookshelf at home is organized by subject matter. It's also super trendy. But my spines do not face the wall and they are vertical. I remember reorganizing my opa's bookshelf when I was about six years old. I did a great job, from tallest to shortest. I also could not understand why my opa was horrified and had to reorganize them. I was a novice at knowledge and he was an expert. Novices and experts organize knowledge differently. Novices Six year old me or a student learning something new will organize new knowledge using a very superficial mental organization system. Me and the books from the shortest to tallest or the student organizing new knowledge in a sequence or clustered into random groups. Experts on the other hand have a far more sophisticated multifaceted organizational strategy. The result is that an expert can recall and apply knowledge in a fluid and natural way, where a novice will battle to recall correctly and have an even harder time applying the new knowledge. Knowledge can be organized in ways that either help or hinder learning, performance and retention capacity for a student. Let me give you an example. When I was a student, History of art was the bane of my existence for three years. It felt like nine. A heavily theoretical subject which demanded that I learn to identify artworks by artist, medium, and date. Then write verbose essays on how other people have interpreted the pieces. I passed, but for the life of me, I could not recall any of those facts today. I had no system to organize information and no pegs to hang new knowledge on. Imagine my horror when I was assigned to teach History of Art as the youngest lecturer with the least say in the subjects that were assigned. After all, I was apparently qualified. I'd passed History of Art 3. If my personal experience was anything to go by, my students would scrape through and forget most of what they learned. And worse yet, I would be selling a lie. After a few iterations, I mastered weaving a story through history, using politics, great period movies, fashion and art to rather sell an experience to students than a catalog of meaningless facts. The catalog approach had little organization other than a time structure whereas the story I created provided a more robust foundation for subsequent learning. If you remember the example earlier about my OPAS bookshelf, you will remember that I mentioned novice versus expert knowledge organizations. The novice uses superficial organizational structures and experts' more complex and layered structures. This is mostly due to the fact that novices... Have not had enough time and experience with new knowledge to know what to do with it. So they default to what they already know. This could mean clustering by colour, size, purpose, etc., which experts would never do. What this means to us in our classrooms is that part of your responsibility as a teacher or read expert is to show students how to remember, file, and or organize new knowledge in the most appropriate structure based on your deeper and more meaningful understanding of the topic. In addition, it means that you, the teacher and the expert need to monitor how students process what they are learning to make sure that they are able to use it in meaningful ways. In other words, You are not just responsible for providing the information, but now you are also responsible for making sure that it is filed correctly. In this second part of our episode, we will unpack some strategies which you can employ in your classroom practice. Sometimes we, the teacher experts, do not know what or how we know things, we just do. The first strategy I want to put to you is to create a concept map to discover how you organize knowledge. A concept map is similar to a flow diagram and or brainstorm. The concepts are listed in boxes or on post-its and the links drawn between them are labeled. For example, let's go back to the art history illustration. I imagine that art movements, fashion, history, politics, and period movies would be drawn in parallel along four channels with links between them and across them, the channels indicating stories to tell and examples to share. Now that I understand how I have organized this knowledge, I can share it with my students to help them visualize where we are going and what we will learn. To further assist in the student's knowledge organization, you can repeatedly add to the concept map for each lecture. Remember that a lecture structure that says intro, lecture, discussion, and recap is considerably less helpful than one that says the three rules to guide ethnographic fieldwork, the reasons for these rules, and a discussion of their limitations. The second strategy that you may implement as a way to help your students develop sophistication in their organization of knowledge is to present students with a compare and contrast opportunity. It is often challenging, even to us experts, to identify what makes things, concepts, or knowledge the same. Comparing and contrasting, on the other hand, makes for easier identification. For example, If I provide my students with a famous artwork from, say, the Cubist era, and perhaps a Renaissance piece, and ask them to elaborate on what was going on in society at that specific point in time, perhaps provide them with criteria, such as explaining the zeitgeist, the economy, the business, the style, and perhaps a wild card, like, give me an interesting fact of that point in time and ask them then to compare and contrast the two. Assessment like this not only tests a deep understanding of the subject matter, but explicitly does not ask students to repeat unrelated facts. Students benefit from instruction that helps them to see important relationships and connections between pieces of information leading them to develop more flexible and effective knowledge organisational structures. Thank you for listening, because without you, I would be talking to myself in a sound booth. Please try a few of these strategies in your classroom and share your experiences and feedback with us. I will leave contact details in the podcast information section. In our next episode, we will explore what factors motivate students to learn.